0: of uh the good samaritan uh one of the best known parables whether you've ever been to church or not you probably heard of the good samaritan right and so that makes this text a particularly dangerous text because uh we uh, if we uh, typically if we think we know what something says then we uh, well we don't need it to apply to us anymore because we already know it we're already doing it right and so we have an opportunity today to read something and to look into something that's uh uh, familiar, and yet um, it's still the word of God. It has authority and uh, it has something to uh, to say to us. So uh, before, uh, before I read uh, uh, the text this morning, join me in prayer. Father, we come to you today um, and we confess that uh, we are uh, um, without your grace, without your mercy, uh, the man dying, nearly dead, stripped, in the ditch. Uh, Forgive us for thinking uh, that that was not our state before you came to us. And yet, Lord, as you came, as you passed by, you saw and you had compassion. Indeed, you were filled with mercy and you came to our aid. You bound up our wounds. You helped us and you paid for our care. And so I pray today that as we look into this text, you would remind us of our state outside of you and your great mercy to us. And so bless us, we pray, uh, in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. So Luke 10, verses 25 through 37. uh, This is uh, the word of God. We should hear it and respond to it as such this morning. And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, what is written in the law? How do you read it? And he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength and with all your mind. And your neighbor is yourself. And he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you'll live. But he, desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So uh, let me just stipulate at the very beginning of the the text here that one of the things that is true of the church of Jesus Christ is if we reflect our creator and our redeemer, uh, then one of the things that would be true of us is that we would be quick uh, to show mercy and quick to show grace, quick to have compassion uh, upon the needy, and so that is uh, clearly the uh, the issue, and clearly something that has been true of the church and is to be true of the church in every uh, day and age in which the church exists. Um, this parable, though, that while that's certainly the, the 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 text of what Jesus is getting at, is is not a parable that's just left hanging out here in space to demonstrate to the church, this is what you should be doing. This parable is an answer to a question. And the question is, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Right? So Jesus isn't saying here, isn't telling a parable like what, what, you know, you guys should be about mercy. What he's saying here is he's simply using this story to answer this question of someone who A, is putting him to the test and B, seeking to justify himself, right? And so because this is a familiar text and because it's a familiar story and because we all know that we're uh, our job is to be kind and compassionate to the needy and the merciful, when we read this story, who do you identify with? When you read this story, when you hear it, who do you think? Oh, yeah, that's, that's like me. Because we know the lawyer, he's a bad guy, right? Lawyer. <laughs> he's a bad guy. That's pretty easy, right? That's low-hanging fruit. Uh, but the, the problem with that, you, Brian, you can go ahead and put my notes up there. The, the fact is, this is not a lawyer like the lawyers that go to our church. <laughs> uh, this guy doesn't do contracts and that kind of stuff. Uh, he is an expert on the Mosaic law. Right. That that's what he spends all his time and training on. And, and, and that is that is that's what uh, that that's that's what he's all about. And so we read this and we think that guy is such a jerk. That guy is such a loser, uh, challenging Jesus and and seeking to justify himself. You know, we don't identify with him at all. We identify when I read this story, I see myself as the good Samaritan. I'm the good guy because i I know grace, I know mercy, and I show it i 'm about showing it. I do a pretty good job with that right well this this lawyer is is uh, probably in many ways smarter and more astute and more biblically knowledgeable than many of us because uh, Jesus turns back the question to him, what must you do to inherit uh, eternal life? Jesus says, well, you know the Bible, you read it. And so he quotes him, right? You uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and you love your neighbors yourself. I mean, that's right out of the Bible. That is absolutely true. Uh, nothing could be clear, nothing could be, be- better uh, said than that. And Jesus says to him, well, do this, right, and you will live, Right? Do this, and you will live. Actually, what what he said there is, uh, you'll be living the life God desires for you. Really, that's what it means. Because you see, what what Jesus is getting at here, and what what kind of ter- begins to make me a little uncomfortable, make me a little anxious about this, is that that when the. Uh, um, Uh, the lawyer says, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Well, what Jesus is saying here is that eternal life is not just life that goes on eternally. It's not just life that goes on forever and ever. The the life that he's talking about here has a particular quality. And the, the, the quality of eternal life is the life of loving God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving your neighbor as yourself. That's what real life is. It's not just drawing breath, it's not just eating, it's not just living, but real life, the life that God gives us, the life that God desires for us, eternal life, life that reflects God, is a life that is given over to loving God with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving our neighbor as ourselves. So the truth of the matter is, that's life. And we hear that and we're like, yes, that's it. I like that. Loving God. Loving your neighbor, that sounds like something I can get on board with, right? Uh, And it's a good thing because uh, you should get on board with it. Um, Friday morning, I get up early and I I go meet some guys at uh, at Chick-fil-A. And uh, as I got up Friday morning early, I looked in our refrigerator and I realized that before the weekend got here, someone needed to be merciful to us because... uh, we were running short of food. And so I re- thought, well, as soon as my work day's over on Friday, I'm going to go to the grocery store, uh, which, you know, going to the grocery store late on Friday when you're cranky, hungry, and everybody else in there is cranky and hungry, not a great idea. So I'm in the grocery store and, um, uh, there's a, a woman and her daughter who uh, I noticed. And the reason why I noticed them is because four times they get between me and what I'm trying to get in short order. And and, and what they're doing is they're they're not just getting between me and it. They're standing in front of the case and they're picking things up. And I'm beginning to think at the, after the fourth time that uh, hmm, I I think I think they're here to torment me. <laughs> so after the fourth time, they move on. I get what I want, but I notice as they move on uh, that one of their bags one of their plastic bags, one of their, you know, reusable bags. So they're good people, (laughs) right? Just like me, I got my reusable bags too. But one of her reusable bags falls out of the cart, which is there on the floor in front of me. And what I notice about it is her wallet is sticking out of the top of the bag. So I'm thinking, huh, serves you right for blocking me four times. But fortunately, my next thought is, you know, you are preaching on the parable of the Good Samaritan this Sunday. Uh Uh-oh. So I picked it up and I run across the grocery store and I find them and I go to her and I say, "Uh, hey, you know, I think you dropped this. And of course, she's afraid of me. And she says, no, I didn't. And her daughter's like, yes, mom, you did. She snatches it from my hand and thanks me. And uh, we, go on, uh, we go on about our business, right? Um, and so I, I, I think one of the things that you realize about that is, right, so the life, the eternal life that uh, God, what the life that God calls eternal life is a life of loving God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength and our neighbor as ourself. And so our tendency when we hear that, when you hear that is you immediately begin to think, oh, well, you know, I got I got Jesus and 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 I get the gospel. And so, you know, I'm not that law doesn't really apply to me anymore. You know, Jesus understands that I'm I am a a broken human being and that I'm sinful. And so uh, and and anyway, that that, you know, that. The the law has been set aside. When I read the Gospels, every time I see Jesus Christ speaking about the law, he never lessens it. In fact, he amps it up harder. You have heard it said, do not commit adultery. But I say to you, If you look at a woman with lust, you've heard it said, do not murder. But I say to you, if you hate your brother. Right? So whatever Jesus it is that we've conjured up to make us feel better about ourselves to make us have this sense of, oh yeah, that stuff doesn't apply to me anymore. It doesn't matter. It's, I don't hear Jesus saying, hey, you know, all those laws there, Mr. Lawyer, none of that applies anymore. He never says that, right? So let's, let's look at this then, because Jesus, after all, does say at the end of this parable, go and do likewise, right? So what are we to make of it? Well, some of the work I did this week, looking around, I came across a couple of good things here. So we should pause here for a moment and not rush on too fast to the story Jesus tells next. Because, you see, what we have to see here is is that as Jesus is, is addressing this and Luke is including this in his gospel, what he wants us to do is, is to identify here with not just... <laughs> you know, to think that we are taking Jesus's seat and we're able to be able to say and to look around and to understand, well, I'm doing pretty good about loving my neighbor and 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 loving God. You know, I look around and I see some of you. I'm an expert in the law, and I don't think that you're doing it so well. But you know, if you'll listen to me and do it the way I want you to do, then then you you too could be able to do that, right? So it's a it's a funny thing that you know while we might say that the law doesn't apply so directly to us, we're very quick and very Swift to see how it applies to other people's lives, right? So we shouldn't rush on too fast to the story that Jesus tells next because for many of us, how how do we think, you know, don't many of us think this way, that loving God and loving your neighbor is living? We think that, right? We, we've heard that. And after all, you're supposed to say, yes, that is living because after all, I am in church. And how are the people around me going to know that I'm really a good Christian if I don't nod my head and say, yes, loving God and loving your neighbor is what I'm all about, right? Or do we start with a different view of life, a more self-centered view of life? Oh, I'm not self-centered. Well, uh, that, you know, this is my life really to to live how I want and so think that loving God and loving others is not my life, but an intrusion into my life. That if I get interrupted and if I have to stop what I'm doing, if I need to go out of my way to help someone, then that's getting in the way of my life and my living of it. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Uh, Years ago, I was uh, involved in training for a a Christian uh, ministry program. And and the guys that were there with me were and I was asking them, well, why do you guys like this so much? And they said, well, you know, this is a really great program because, you know, it's an easy way to be obedient. (laughs) Yeah, I'm looking for that. Right. Right. Because the fact of the matter is what, what's, what's happening here is if I get interrupted, if I have to stop what I'm doing, if I need to go out of my way to help someone, that's getting in the way of my life and my living out of it. But wait a minute, loving God with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength and loving my neighbor as myself, well, well what happens when my neighbor interrupts me? They should know better, <laughs> right? I'm busy here loving God and loving my neighbor. Don't interrupt me don't get in my way. Don't stop me from my plans today because I had good plans today. And I have these things to do. And, and your intrusion into my life is drop because you dropped your wallet in front of me. Yeah. So it's getting the way of my life and my living of it. So that's not fulfilling my life, but taking something away from it. So right off the bat, we may have a whole different way of looking at life than God does. So how do you deal with the inconveniences others put in front of you? Now, Here's the thing. I know this gets complicated, and it, and and if you're starting to feel some anxiety, you're listening, because. <laughs> <laughs> 'Cause I, I want you to feel some anxiety about this. We need to feel some anxiety about this. We we need to we need to get into the kernel of what Jesus is saying to us here because, you know, one of the things that I think is so remarkable about Jesus is we know that Jesus was mission centered. He was focused, right? The the gospel tells us that he set his face to go to Jerusalem, to die on the cross. He set it like a flint, like a stone. But if you read the Gospels and you see him as his face is set to go to Jerusalem, as he's going there, he gets stopped by kids. He gets stopped by blind people. He gets stopped by funerals. He gets stopped by little men up in trees. I mean, he gets he is stopped by so many things. And at every place, what does he do? He stops on his way to accomplish his cosmic mission for us. And he loves, he serves, he gives, Right. He gathers these children around him and his disciples are like they're getting in the way. This is inconvenient. Uh, kids are really inconvenient, right? You know they they get in your way and, and 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 you know, they they you know, don't pay too much mind to them, Jesus. You need to get on about the business of what you're doing. But it's remarkable that at every turn what does Jesus do? He stops what he's doing and he engages and he loves, right? So so the question for you today is, how do you deal with the inconveniences others put in front of you this week? But then there's this too, you know, when I do actually help my neighbor, am I loving him as myself? Or even as I do it, am I resenting her for needing my help? Right? Right? But it's worse than that. I, I, I tend not to resent people who need the help. Cause, you know, I, well, I'm a better person than that. <laughs> but I do get bitter towards others for not helping me. And, uh, when I, when I'm trying to help somebody else, like, you know, I'm looking around at all you able-bodied and people, and I'm like, how come you're not helping me with this? Right? One of the, one of the most honest conversations I ever had with anybody in the church was a guy who's still a very good friend of mine, who uh, uh, was in the original group of people that started the church. And after about two, two and a half years, he quit. He had to leave. Couldn't stay anymore. Now, when we started this church, we had about 100 people and our church was in a trailer that we moved into Bird Middle School and We set up chairs. We put covers down on the gym floor. We set up nurseries. We did Sunday schools. It was a lot of work, a lot of work, a lot of work. Did I say it was a lot of work? It was a lot of work. It was a whole lot of work. He didn't quit because it was a lot of work. You know why he quit? He said, I love you, Steve, and I love the church. But if I have to carry one more bin down this hallway and watch other people stand around, drink coffee, and talk to each other and not lift a finger to help me, I might not be a Christian anymore. God loves an honest man, right? Right? So do I begrudge... the expense and the inconvenience. And after all, you know, because when we hear this word that what we're going to be about is loving our neighbors as ourselves, the neighbor that I conjure up in my mind that I'm going to love and show mercy to is always the person who's the deserving neighbor, the deserving poor, the deserving broken. The problem with that is, the problem with that is, you know, if if I look at you as somebody who is deserving of mercy, show me your books, and show me how you spend your time, show me how you spend your money, and I will show you you're not deserving at all because, you know, cable, cell phone, right? So, so the fact is as we look at this, you know, then all of a sudden this becomes this this becomes more and more challenging. So, do I begrudge the expense and the inconvenience? All right. All right. Well, this is all about, you know, these lame neighbors of course they're difficult to love, but I'm loving God all the time. Uh, but does that then corrupt my love for God by questioning him and his ways and his love for me and not wanting the life or the people that he's given me to love them and to receive love from them, right? I mean, after all, you know, if if you're such an inconvenience to me and God is sovereign and he's in charge, then he stuck this convenience and inconvenience in front of me. <laughs> right? And so so all of a sudden it becomes very difficult for me to say, you know what, I'm loving God all the time because God's irritating me a little bit here by putting me in this situation. Look, God, I'm trying to love you. Why did you put this person in front of me that now I need to serve? This is kind of getting in the way of me loving you, right? Or it's certainly getting in the way of me loving somebody that I would rather love. Instead of the person that you've placed in front of me. So that begins to corrupt our love for God a little bit because we, we begin to challenge, you know, who he is and what he's done, right? So we begin to say, why me, Lord? Why is this so long? Why, why this? Why so much? You know, why, why is this happening to me? Right? So, so which puts us in a difficult position because if loving God and loving neighbor is the law, then I'm not only not doing the law by virtue of how I deal with the inconveniences, honestly, I probably don't really want to do the law. If left to my own devices, because what I'm faced with is, well, now all of a sudden I've got to, you know, I want to be able to pick and choose how mercy works. So the lawyer is coming to Jesus and he's wanting to to test Jesus, which is always not a good idea. And, And secondly, he's coming to Jesus and he's trying to justify himself. Right. Next slide. So so what we tend to do is we tend to justify ourselves by either minimizing the law. Right. By saying, well, Jesus didn't really mean that. Or, you know, I'm covered in grace, so none of that stuff matters. Or or what we end up doing is, uh, is saying, actually, we kid ourselves into thinking, because I'm doing this very well, then obviously I'm, you know, I'm okay, right? So Jesus tells him the parable, right? Who's my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? So what his expectation is, is that what Jesus is going to say is what all the rabbis in the first century would have said. Well, your neighbor is, uh, is your Jewish brother or sister, particularly your Jewish brother. And if you find him in trouble or in need and, and, and he's deserving of your help, uh, then you help him, right? So Jesus tells him this story. Now, one of the things that I think is profound about this is why does Jesus use this story to answer this question? Who's my neighbor? Why does he why does he do this? Why doesn't he just tell him, well, your neighbor's anybody? Because the fact of the matter is the expectation is that he's going to say, well, it's your Jewish brother or sister. Well, the law is very clear. We could go back and read in both Leviticus and Deuteronomy that the stranger within your gates is your neighbor, right? The Gentile within your gates is your neighbor, and you're to love them as well, right? So, so he, there was already an attempt to minimize the law. So, what isn't Jesus just answering that way? What does Jesus tell him the story that he tells him? But you see, I've thought about this, and I, one of the things that I wonder—I mean, after all—and this is speculation, admittedly—but I think I think there's something worth thinking about. This is perhaps Jesus tells the story of the priest who passes by and the Levite who passes by, good observant Jews who are keeping themselves pure by not touching blood or possibly dead bodies. Maybe he's telling them this story because maybe the lawyer, well, if he himself hadn't just passed by someone someone by the side of the road who had been robbed and needed help. I mean, wouldn't it be just like Jesus to turn that on somebody, right? Like, hey, you know, on your way into Jerusalem today, you remember that situation you saw out there? Hey, may, may, you know, hey, right? Wouldn't it be just like him? So what a shock that would be if you had. Who's my neighbor? Well, you just passed your neighbor, Jesus would be saying. And don't try and bother going back now. It's too late. Someone else stopped a Samaritan. Yes, someone you, as a Jew, look down on and consider a half breed at best, and someone the world would be a better place without at worst. Now, in our day and age, we would never call someone a half breed, right? I mean, we we know that that's 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 wrong. But every single one of us, oh, every one of us has a list of people that the world would be a better place if they weren't here, right? And that's the that's the hero of the story? Someone you don't consider your neighbor. Well, guess what? He stopped and he helped and he didn't just do the minimum required, but even more than that, he had compassion, right? In fact, he was filled with mercy. So as Jesus would say, you tell me, putting me to the test, you who knows the law, you tell me who lived the law, you are the Samaritan, Right? So it's it's a pretty profound thing for us to to think about and to unpack with this, right? And I and I and I've been particularly uh uh direct on this and and and, and straightforward on this because every now and then we need to be jolted uh, out of uh, uh our complacency because just like the lawyer, we often look for secretly within ourselves opportunities and places whereby we may justify ourselves. Right? or that we may look for some way or something that we add or that we offer that somehow or other puts us in a place of more deserving or puts us in a place where the demands of God's law no longer apply to us, right? But you see, the whole problem with this whole text, this whole story uh, begins at the very beginning, because what does he say? What must I do? To inherit eternal life. Well, Jesus tells this parable in some ways to get us to understand that what you do to inherit eternal life, you've already done. You're the dead man or almost dead man laying in the ditch. You've been assaulted by sin, your own sin. You've been assaulted by death. You're a bloody mess. And Jesus comes along the one rejected and despised by men. And he picks you up and he cares for you and he spends for you. Now, one of the things to note about this story too is, you know, just imagine if you're a Samaritan and you're in Jewish territory and you bring a a wounded Jewish person to a Jewish inn. They're probably not going to think you're being a good Samaritan. They're probably going to think the worst of you, right? So he even takes a great risk of himself to do that. So here's the thing. Here's the issue for us this morning. Loving God and loving our neighbor uh, perfectly all the time without exception is the uncompromising standard of the law of God. And I want you this morning to despair of your ability to do that. And what I want you to see this morning is that the richness and the beauty of the gospel is that Jesus Christ sees you as that that dead and dying person there in the ditch. And he scoops you up and he gives you life and he breathes into you his spirit and he gives you a sense of what love and mercy is so that now in your own feeble ways, right? Right? In our own many unprofitable ways, Jesus entrusts to us and uses us to extend that mercy in the world in which he's called us to live. But first, but first, we, we must be the recipients of mercy, undeserving, broken, dead, and dying. Printed in the bulletin, also up on the screens behind me. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against you in thought, word, and deed by what we have done and by what we have left undone. We have not loved you with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and we humbly repent. For the sake of your son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us. Believers, hear this word of encouragement. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. So on the night in which he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread and he broke it, just as I do now ministering in his name, and he gave it to his disciples. In the last three years, I've lost both my parents, and so in the Midst of that I've become a bit of an expert about inheritances and uh probate and wills and all of that kind of stuff doing doing all that. Learned a lot. Uh uh it's pretty profound. And one of the things that you learn about that is uh that uh you know what you do to get an inheritance? Nothing. It's because you're born into that family, and that's it. You didn't do anything. Um, about 10 and a half months after my dad died, my brother and I got a letter from uh, our friends at uh, an office called the Medicare Recovery Office. Did you know there was such a thing? Saying they wanted basically my mom and dad's estate because they were disputing all the Medicare that they had had since 1995. Now, of course, I handled that conversation with love and grace <laughs> and patience, right? Um, but the thing that you realize about that is uh, the 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 truth of the matter is. Um, The lawyer's question, our question, what must I do to inherit? Well, you're simply born. You simply live. And Jesus in his grace and his mercy comes to you and saves you and gives you the riches of his glory and his inheritance. And that's the scandal of the gospel. That's the scandal of inheritance. That's the scandal of how this works. So that when we are gripped by that scandal, that I am an undeserving and unprofitable son or daughter, and yet God lavishes his grace upon me, it reorients me towards my brother and my sister. It changes the way I look at myself and it makes me suddenly aware that the inconveniences that God places in front of me are messengers of mercy because I'm inconvenient to Jesus. But God in his grace and his mercy continues to scoop me up out of the ditch. Now, for many of us, you know, we Jesus came along and got us out of that ditch and put us and took care of us and healed us. But many of us keep going back to the ditch because for some odd reason, death and dying feels more comfortable or better to us uh, than living in dependence upon the mercy of our Savior. But Jesus keeps picking us up, keeps binding our wounds, keeps spending himself and care for us. If that's your hope today. And you have proclaimed that to a body of believers somewhere Jesus welcomes you today to sit at his table, to be renewed, to be restored and and to allow your inconveniences to be touched by his grace and mercy, and to allow yourself then to be transformed and changed into someone who looks like your good Samaritan, my good Samaritan. Jesus Christ. As the uh, elders and deacons come down front uh, this morning to assist me, let me remind you that the outer ring is wine. The inner rings are grape juice. All the bread is bread that is gluten free.